Alternative Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. Today we have stuff to tell you. We do. Like most times, just, you know, stuff. Things and stuff. Yes. I am super glad that all my things are currently charged, just in case the power goes out. Yes, that's a good thing to be prepared for. Uh, the wind is is blowing mightily, and I'm sitting here regretting again, because I do this every time it gets super windy, is I, I sit and think about how I still have not cut down the giant vine tree that is entangled in my power lines. Oh, so, yeah. So, like, the line that goes from my house to the to the pole. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, uh, that's an important one. Yeah, it's like, whoops, still haven't gotten that done. But now it's, like, so tall, like, I'm going to need to get on a ladder. And I did order a chainsaw, finally. Found one for, like, 52 bucks. I ordered nice. it. It'll be delivered tomorrow. So, And I've got my neighbor's ladder borrowed. So I tomorrow, tomorrow, I am going to get up with that damn chainsaw, and I'm going to cut the tree down. It's it's one of those weird vine trees that they have out here that just grows like inexplicably tall, like super quick. Like Damn that thing things. wasn't even like touching my power lines a year ago. And now it's just like all like up all, in up like, in them. all up in them and like five feet above them. It's crazy. It's crazy. But everything is, is charged if that uh, fucker snaps. So. Yep, and yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> the show will be uninterrupted. <laughs> yes, you'll just be doing it in the dark. That's right. But that's, you know, that's, that's, that's not so bad. That's not altogether a bad thing. My, my uh, eyes are still pretty uh, sensitive from the, uh, you know, the eye doctor. the eye doctor yesterday. You still have superhuman nocturnal... Vision. <laughs> I don't even know about nocturnal vision. It was just definitely an aversion to the light, though. Like, goddamn. But well, how about you get us started today, Joanna? Just All in right. case you lose your power, you know, I can just <laughs> carry on on my own afterwards. <laughs> there you go. I kind of feel like uh, I'm suddenly thinking about the the Muppets whenever um, you know. The guy's reporting on the weather and it's super oh, crazy yeah. and he's about to like blow away in the wind. That that's kind of like how it is. Like, if, I, if I was right outside, now. you'd be seeing me like you know holding on to something for dear life as I'm like you know horizontal in the wind. Well, it's a good thing it's not a weather podcast. <laughs> well, what I have for you guys today, uh, number one sources, uh, mysteriousuniverse.org en.wikisource.org and www.liveabout.com I'm going to read you guys an article that was written for Popular Science Monthly and this is all the way back to March 1875 and the article is talking about events that happened about 30 years prior in 1846 Okay, and uh, it's titled the Electrical Girl by Louis Figure. I have no idea how you say it, the French pronunciation, but it's F I G U I E R. Probably like Figure or something. Figure. Louis Figure. And shout out to Clara Hammond for translating it from French. Ma'am. Yeah. Making Otherwise... it possible for someone like me to read it because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be happening otherwise. No, no, or it would be happening in very poorly pronounced French. Extremely poorly pronounced yeah. French. Almost in a decipherable French. <laughs> the kind of French where French people would just literally like recoil like to hear or it. Say, what? <laughs> in the beginning of 1846, a year memorable in the history of table turning and spirit rapping, Angelique Cotton was a girl of 14 living in the village of Bovigny near La Pierre, Department of Orne, France. She was of low stature, but of robust frame, and apathetic to an extraordinary degree both in body and mind. 
On January 15th of the year named, while the girl was with three others engaged in weaving silk thread gloves, the oaken table at which they worked began to move and change position. The workwomen were alarmed. Work was for a moment suspended, but soon resumed. But when Angelique again took her place, the table began anew to move with great violence. She felt herself attracted to it, but so soon as she touched it, it retreated before her or was even upset. The following morning, similar phenomena were observed, and before long, public opinion was very decided in affirming that Angelique Cotton was possessed of a devil. So she is the one that's possessed. Yes. Okay. Because she is making stuff move around her. Okay. So clearly, clearly that's, that uh, indicates possession of the, by the devil. They felt she should be brought before the parish priest for an exorcism. But the parish priest was a man of too much common sense to heed their request for an exorcism and resolved to see the facts for himself. <laughs> no, you dumb bumpkins. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, not... I'm really shocked that the, the priest was like, no, this is a, a medical issue. And I think like, maybe you need to, to see somebody. Well, there was a time there where the priests like weren't, I mean, they, they had some common sense. They're like, I don't know. This, can't, this isn't the devil. It's got to be something <laughs> else. Like, you got to, like, I know like, the devil does this and this and this, and it's not this. It's not the devil. Right. The girl was brought to his house, and there the phenomena were repeated, though not with the same intensity as before. The table retreated, but was not overturned, while the chair on which Angelique was seated moved in a contrary direction, rocking the while and giving Angelique great difficulty in keeping her seat. These effects were so remarkable as to attract a great deal of attention, and so many came to see the demonstrations that the girls' relations, who were in straightened circumstances, I believe that's a nice way of saying they're, like, broke as shit. Yeah, I think so. Thought to make a lucrative business of her singular faculty by exhibitions from time to time. <laughs> Various professional men testified to her performances, of which the following letter from Dr. Beaumont Chardon of Montan gives the usual account. Quote, this is what I saw, end quote, says the physician. Quote, number one, repulsion and attraction, bounding and displacement of a massive table, also of another table mounted on casters about three meters by two, another square table in oak about a meter and a half in size, an armchair of mahogany, very massive, all of these movements took place from the voluntary or involuntary contact of Angelique's clothes. Number two, when she was seated, overturning and repulsion of the young girl and the person who was occup occupying the same chair. A moment adherence of the chair to the girl's dress was seen several times. Cessation of these effects when the chair and the young girl were placed upon glass or oil cloth or when the girl was placed upon the chair without having the feet of the ladder touch the floor, affects generally less upon waxed floors or carpets. All right. <laughs> so she's just making objects fly all over the place, but if she's standing on a glass surface, if she's standing with oilcloth under her feet, or she's standing on, like, waxed or carpeted floor the effects are not at all or are less than they are that's under strange. the other circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's that's weird. Yeah. Number three, great disturbance noticed in the girl, recalling that which is produced by an electric discharge when a piece of wood, a stick, a shovel, or tongs was brought in contact with the vertebral column. So every time they touch take different random objects and touch it to her back. She freaks. <laughs> My finger held toward her forehead or the top and above all the back of her head, either by actual contact or at a distance of two centimeters, produced the same effect as I had done when brought into contact with the elbow of the left arm. 
disappearance of this effect when a piece of oil cloth was interposed between the arm and the object. So it really, it freaked her out. Like she had felt like these weird electrical charges when they touched an object to her back or when her head or the back of her neck was touched. And then also anything that touched her uh, left forearm or elbow, only on the left side. And apparently from what I like read um, through this article was that like her left arm was significantly warmer than her right arm. Weird. Yeah. Number four, painful and unsupportable sensation of itching when one or two iron rods strongly magnetized were held several centimeters from the extended fingers of her left hand or from her head. Non-magnetized iron did not produce this effect. A magnetized needle suspended horizontally from the ceiling by a long thread deviated from the direction of the terrestrial magnetic axis and oscillated at the approach of the girl's left arm. Huh. Yeah. The young girl was generally heavily charged when I was near her because I did not arouse in her any feeling of mistrust, but always endeavored to spare her suffering. I thought that in order to appear to the best advantage, her mind must be free and she must herself be gay and lively, although her will seemed to be entirely void of influence. Man, people talked weird back in the day. <laughs> I know. Like, man, it, it must have just taken forever. That's why not everyone could write is because it would take forever to fucking write. Right. Everything just so uh, descriptive and fancy. Long form. <laughs> yes. And I barely do the declare that henceforth on the fourth width <laughs> of the fortnight. Heretofore. Yeah. And in perpetuity. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Angelique's relatives resolved at length to take the electrical girl, which is what people started calling her, I guess. <laughs> electrical girl and or poltergeist girl. Wow. <laughs> take her to Paris in order to submit her to the exam examination of the local, um, you know, academic folk out there. Yeah. During uh, the public seance on the 17th of February at the Académie des Sciences, the secretary, Arago, published the experiments to which Dr. Sanchen had subjected the girl and read a notice given him by this physician, which appeared in the official compte rendu of this session. It is as follows. Quote... Dr. Sinchin, I have twice seen the electrical girl, Angelique Cotton. A chair which I was holding as firmly as possible with my foot in both hands was suddenly torn from my grasp when she sat upon it. A little strip of paper which I balanced on my finger was blown away several times as though by a sudden rush of wind. A dining table of considerable size and quite heavy was several times displaced and pushed by the mere contact of the girl's clothes. A small paper wheel placed vertically or horizontally upon its axis received a rapid motion from the emanations which proceeded from the child's wrist and elbow joint. A very large and heavy sofa on which I was seated was violently pushed against the wall when the young girl placed herself beside me. A chair held to the ground by strong persons on which I sat in a manner as to occupy but half of it was suddenly pushed from under me when the girl sat upon the remaining half. A remarkable fact is that each time the chair was raised, it seemed to adhere to the girl's clothes. She followed it for an instant and then disengaged herself. So it sounds like girl has like some really, really bad static cling going on. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I, I, th I found this kind of interesting because 
lately I have been supercharged. I have been like shocking the shit out of myself and others. And it was one thing when it was still wintertime, but it seems to be carrying over into spring. Oh, that has that. That's just my life. Uh, I went to a store once and I uh, like everything I touched would shock me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like everything. Bananas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bananas. Like, yeah, like I couldn't. I was trying to get avocados specifically. I was trying to get bananas and avocados, and uh, the, the avocados shocked me, and the bananas shocked me. I had to have uh, my friends to pick the stuff out for me because I was sick of getting shocked by the whole thing. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my Every gosh! Every day at work, uh, the door like to my office shocks me on the way out, but only sometimes on the way in. <sighs> But every day on the way out, for sure. Uh, always on the way out. I just kick the door okay. open usually because it doesn't shock me through my shoes. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was going to say that I I get bananas and avocados a lot at the store too. But they don't shock you. And they do not shock me. Yeah. Okay. See, so lately, it's been stuff that like isn't typical. Like like when I go out to my car and I open the door handle, it's been shocking me like yeah, a lot. Yeah, it happens to me sometimes too. And I'm just like, what the fuck? What's with this? And and just, uh, you know, getting my phone, grabbing anything off, like, the surface of, like, one of the side tables. I seem to, like, get a shock. Um, touching, <laughs> I've shocked my cat, like, a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Going to pet her, and it's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you can see, like, a, you know, three-centimeter arc. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sorry, cat. Yeah, definitely any time I'm, I'm handling a blanket, shock. Yeah. And then, of course, like touching like my children too. I feel worse for the cat, but uh, I also shock yeah. Oh, my for kids. the cat, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel worse for the cat, yeah. But because uh, at least like my kids know like what happened, like when I I shocked them. Right, you're like I didn't I didn't that do this on purpose. Right, exactly. <laughs> the cat, I'm not you. so sure about. That's so. like you prick. I know, right. <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah, nothing, nothing like what was was going on with this girl. Yeah, no, I should hope not. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, um, Angelique is brought before uh, this committee in order to prove all the stuff that the other scientists uh, had witnessed. and. By that time, it seemed that her electric charge was fading. <laughs> That's probably for the best. Yeah, I'm sure she was relieved because yeah. by all accounts, it seems as though she did not enjoy any of this. I wouldn't. It seems like a real real pain in the ass. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about the little, like, when I get, like, shocked and, like, just how annoying that is. I can't imagine that, like, times, like, a thousand. Yeah, and shit. then you can't even, like, sit on a chair because half the time you sit down and it, like, levitates and throws you off of it and goes into, like, the other corner of the room where it's just it's just running away from you. You're just trying to sit the fuck down yeah, and the chair just, like, just oh God, keeps I'm continually so scooting away from you. Yeah, that sounds... Just like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Well, because she was not able to reproduce the same effects that she had in front of the other scientists on many occasions in the weeks before this, they basically like wrote her off as like, yeah, we're not even going to acknowledge you like, or anything. Yeah, this is total bullshit. But um, the the scientists that initially and doctors that initially examined her like remained very steadfast that this was something that actually happened. Right. Now, the weird thing is, is that she did continue doing performances for a while after she had allegedly lost her powers um, for money, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, so her family was still trying to cash in on it somewhere like, or another. I can't do this so, shit anymore. They're like, so it's, it's uh, hard to say, like, how was that still done? Um, With magnets, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was it, was she always faking? But it just, did, it didn't seem to me like anyone thought that until of course the you know the yeah, scientific until, committee and, and then they're just like like this is bullshit can't mm-hmm, do this mm-hmm. but i mean there was like a number of people that witnessed what was going on including doctors and scientists right uh, so so yeah 
it's it's interesting and um you know i mean some people are do uh fuck with electricity in weird ways i looked up on the internet um you know, just trying to find like uh, different random stories. There was like a, yeah. a, a, a video on YouTube with this barmaid. I, I mean, bartender here in America. Barmaid. She, was in the, she was in the UK, so it literally says barmaid. Okay, <laughs> that's how she's referred to. She's a barmaid who a, she was a fucks with the wedge. lights. <laughs> yeah, the it showed her like tending bar and all the lights like above her like flickering, and as she moves like across from like one end of the bar to the other, it's like all the lights in the ceiling like one by one start like flickering, going weird. down, and following her. Yeah. Um, there's a there's an article out here um, titled "You Know People Who Affect Electronics: Weirdest Stories" by Stephen Wagner. Uh, it's dated 8-2019, and I'm just going to kind of pick and choose out of this article as well. But it's in response to a previous post about uh, sliders, is what they're called. <laughs> like the burgers? No. Sliders, I guess, are people who... Uh, <laughs> street, light, street light or lamp interference, S-L-I. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So slider, if you're a slider, that means like you, uh, your the electricity in your body for whatever reason interferes with streetlights as you're passing under them. I've heard I've heard of that before. Yeah, so a lot of people responded to this article about sliders and talking about their own different experiences with uh, being an unusually electrically charged person. The consensus I got from the article is that there's kind of like several common factors. One is that it runs in the family. Battery-operated watches are frequent victims of these people, and the trait might run in families. Uh, one article contributed contributor called Murph said, I have this problem, quote, I have this problem with watches and appliances. My sister had the same thing. When she passed away, I found she had a box of 30 watches in her closet. I understood right away, end quote. <laughs> Damn. Another person who goes by Tybalt says it runs in his family too. The ability to affect electrical devices is well known on my mom's side of the family. None of the women can wear a watch. We magnetize the works or no watch battery lasts as long as it should. My mom is the World War II generation and the jeweler told her to tape a copper penny behind the watch. Jewelers who worked on watches were very familiar with the phenomenon then, end quote. Strange. Sometimes it's affected by a person's physical or mental health. Cynthia's abilities uh, were related to her pain. She, in, she uh, interferes with electrical devices um, when she is in physical pain. Quote, it usually happens when I have a migraine or tension type headache and the lights are bothering me, end quote. <laughs> so, you know, you have a migraine, you just walk around like causing light bulbs to short out wherever you go. That'd be annoying. One person named Kalata said, quote, for me, whenever I was scared, that's when I was releasing the most energy. One website I found said that I needed to figure out a way to mentally ground the energy or calm myself during these times. So now whenever I turn the lights on in dark rooms, I release a slow breath of air and flick on the light switch at the same time. Since I started doing this, I have gone from burning out one bulb every other day to one every six months or more. End oh, quote. Wow. Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, another commonality is it's expensive. One of the most annoying aspects of this affliction is that it can get downright expensive when just about every electronic you touch gets destroyed. One uh, contributor named Josh says, quote, I break every pair of headphones I wear. I break every printer I use just by printing on it. I go through one laptop a year. And cell phones never last more than a few months before they are corrupted. God I had damn. one. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? That is expensive. 
I feel the thing with the printers. I have had like uh, three or four printers in a row like break on me, like all that were like, yeah, I don't know, just fairly new and successively, and yeah, take I just, shit. I just can't fucking seem to have a functional printer. It's just not, <laughs> just not the <laughs> it's cards. Just, it's just not in the cards for my life. I had one phone, back to what Josh is saying, I had one phone that would do the strangest thing. Every time the battery died, it would send my ex-girlfriend the previous 20 text messages that I had sent her all at once. Talk about an annoying tech problem. End quote. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Well, what triggers it? Uh, one user named Camilla believes that her effects on electronics began with a jolting accident. Quote, since I was about 11, when a 220 volt, ba volt bad circuit connection threw me 10 feet, I am experiencing anomalies with electronics. End quote. She goes on to say, quote, I don't wear watches. They stop. Computers stop working as I walk into a banker store. There was a blackout when I walked into a Walmart twice. <laughs> My TV got hit by lightning in a bad storm. I have gone through so many appliances and lights and switches for my car, and when it happens, it's like a comet, one after another, and then it stops, end quote. Jesus. I know. That's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. Another user uh, who goes by the, the, na the name Nightshade. I mean, I don't know if that's his real name. I don't know. That sounds like a real name real to name. me. <laughs> Parents were like, I don't know. He looks like a nightshade. Yeah. <laughs> nightshade. 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 <laughs> a different kind of thing. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> that's where my mind's going right yeah, now. Masturbator nightshade. <laughs> nightshade claims a more otherworldly cause for his family's abilities. Quote, our family had heavy UFO, UFO close encounter events during the early 1970s. We believe it's a leftover from those experiences. End quote. And lastly, uh, another article contributor going by just the initials CB. CB has mixed feelings about the why of this phenomenon. Quote, I do believe that something like this is a potential precursor to some type of awakening and should be considered a gift, CB says. Quote, but I don't consider this a gift at all, but rather a curse. Yeah, no End shit. quote. Everything is electronic. Yes. And Can't electronics use... are so fucking expensive. Yes. Can't use anything. You're like, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to, like, you can't drive a car because there's a bunch of, I mean, you have to drive, like, an old car. It would be very, you live in that 50s life. Yeah. That would just suck because I, you know, just, just live in my life. I, I break shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's expensive enough without having, like, this, uh... Uh, you know, weirdo, super, supernatural yeah, or whatever. Weird electrical field around me or whatever magnetic field. I don't know whatever the fuck it is that causes this to happen with people. But yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, I know I wouldn't that that would be a pretty heavy burden uh, on my yeah. life. Yeah, I wouldn't be into it. Yeah. I, I I find the electric shocks annoying, but I mean, hey, if that's as bad as it's going to get, I'll take it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could be much worse, allegedly, it, supposedly. It, yeah. It, it could be. It could be much worse. It. Yeah. So, and uh, I don't know what to think about Angelique. Um, I tend to want to believe that something weird was going on with her and her uh, electric electrical magnetic field was just all sorts of disturbed for a period of i think it went on for about 10 weeks is when there's only so much you could do back in that day to like fake things you know so yeah who knows that's uh that's weird but i can see maybe i mean we're just electric like a big electrical box so i, I can see how maybe somehow we she could 
was something trying, just got really fucked up. Fucking... Yeah, she's weaving that silk. Silk is like a weird, like I think silk uh, is a is a conductor. Oh, maybe I don't know. But yeah, just you're sitting there, just you know, being a a fucking French peasant girl, all poor and like weaving your silk gloves and stuff, and then all of a sudden, shocking shit. Suddenly, you're powder. (laughs) Yeah, suddenly you're just freaking like causing shit to like go nuts all over the place. Go all haywire. Uh huh. And probably Yeah. yeah, she she described it as being like you know acutely like uncomfortable and painful when all this was going on. So oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I have an article for you. Do you? All right. Yes. This is from The Independent, and it's an older article. It's dated Monday, the 8th, February 2016. Oh, so, 2016. So not that old. Not 1875 old. No, no. Just somewhat old. Uh, but it does take, I mean, it is, it is 1875-y in some ways. Uh, the article is uh, from theindependent.co.uk. I don't remember if I said that or not. Uh, mystery meat, woolly mammoth, myth debunked after DNA analysis. Long extinct meat served at an annual Explorers Club dinner in New York City in 1951 tends to have been less prehistoric than diners thought. At the time, the menu claimed it was a giant sloth, while another account said it was meat from an ancient mammoth preserved in a glacier. Now researchers have discovered the truth, and neither of those more fantastical claims were correct. Using DNA analysis on, a surviving, on surviving bits of the meat, the researchers at Yale University came to the c- conclusion that it was nothing more than a modern-day sea turtle. I'm sure people wanted to believe it, said Jessica Glass, Jessica Glass, a Yale graduate, student, and co-lead author of the study. They had no idea that many years later a PhD student would come along and figure this out with DNA sequencing techniques. They just run it for everyone. I know, right? God. The Explorers Club the Explorers Club Gala, head in the Grand Ballroom of the Roosevelt Hotel in 1951, promised meat from an extinct giant ground sloth, according to Adalgasi Cachone, a senior research scientist and study co-author. Co- and study co-author. Some of the folklore about mammoth meat being served is thought to have been born out of a Christian science monitor story that run days after the event in January 1951. It reported that the chief attraction of the smorgasbord was a morsel of 250,000-year-old hairy mammoth meat. The mammoth was said to have been shipped to the New York after being discovered at Woolly Cove on Akutan Islands in the Aleutians. According to Yale, the banquet's promoter, Commander Wendell Phillips Dodge, sent out press notices saying the annual dinner would feature quote-unquote prehistoric meat. Okay, is this like just a feature you like to look at, or are they like saying they like it's it. going to eat it? it. They oh my it gosh! It. That's like they yeah they served it to the people. Dude, I would not want prehistoric meat. No, shit's probably bad. Yeah. In 1951, a piece of meat was sent to Explorers Club member Paul Griswold Howes because he was unable to attend the dinner. The specimen was since has since remained intact and had been on show in two museums. Although. Although it was labeled labeled as Megatherium, or a giant sloth, the myth about the woolly mammoth has remained widely believed. But in 2014, Miss Glass and another student, Matt Davis, became curious about the specimen. They extracted DNA, and the test results matched the genetic profile for a green sea turtle. We are pleased with the results of Yale's analysis, said Will Roseman, executive director of the Explorers Club, an organization of conservationists environmentalists, and others devoted to protecting, protecting the Earth. The mindset 65 years ago and today has dramatically changed, and what was obviously a unique event decades ago has given way to a determined effort to in- introduce people to foods that can sustain mankind well into the future. So, yeah, that's fucking wild. They're just like... <laughs> Some some dudes in 1951 had some fucking dinner thing like, oh, we're going to be serving this like prehistoric meat. It's going to be amazing, you know. And there's probably not a whole lot, probably just, you know, a bit for each person. And then one guy wasn't able to show up. So they he got his doggy bag of yeah, um, they, they prehistoric sent it to him meat because they were like, dude, you, you know, you you're in the club. So you uh, you deserve this. Another bit of weirdness, this uh, from. 
today, not like literally today, but a couple days ago, April 19th, 2022. This is an APnews.com article. You inhaled it. Man <gasps> inhales drill bit during dental visit. Oh, I thought it was going to be something way different. <laughs> no, not drilling it, Joanna. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> I'm still thinking about night shame. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Drilling the night shame. <laughs> Kenosha, Wisconsin. A routine trip to the dentist was anything but normal. After an Illinois man inhaled the dentist's drill bit and had to go to the hospital to get it removed last month. Tom Josie, 60, told WISN-TV that he was at the dentist getting his tooth filled when he was told he swallowed a tool. I didn't even feel it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Back to your night shame. <laughs> you're just going to kick I'm just going to keep laughing. You're going to laugh at this next line, too. All right. I didn't even really feel it going down. <laughs> All I felt was a cough when they did the CT. <laughs> Choked on a <laughs> When they did the CT scan, they realized you didn't swallow it, you inhaled it, he said. Doctors believe that Josie inhaled just before he coughed, sending the one-inch bit deep into Josie's lung. <laughs> Dr. Abdul Arayas at Aurora Medical Center, Kenosha in Wisconsin, said the bit was so deep that normal scopes couldn't reach it. Josie said he was told that if, he couldn't, that if it couldn't be taken out, part of his lung would have to be removed. Shit. Alrays and his medical team decided to try a newer device to remove the object one that's designed for early detection of cancer. Video of the scan shows the medical team was able to navigate the narrow airways, reach the drill piece, and pull it out without harming Josie. I was never so happy as when I opened my eyes and saw, it with a smile, and saw him with a smile under that mask, shaking a little plastic container with the tool in it, Josie said. <laughs> Josie said he now keeps the drill bit on a shelf at home. Alrays and his colleagues in Michigan and Ohio have reported seeing similar cases. So, God, as if I didn't like have a reason enough to like hate the dentist. Now, 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 I'm gonna like sit there. Next time I'm there, getting shit drilled in my mouth, I'm gonna sit there and think about like inhaling the fucking drill bit. When you're getting your mouth drilled. Yeah, when I'm getting my mouth drilled, your when I'm thinking about my nice shame. <laughs> yeah. I've got one here from CNN.com. Saturday, September 12th, 2020. A postcard arrived in Michigan almost 100 years after it went in the mail. A Michigan woman got quite a surprise when she went to her mailbox this week. Amid her regular bills and junk mail was a postcard that had been mailed almost 100 years ago. Brittany Keach told CNN that she didn't give the card much thought at first because she was busy with her kids and her daily hustle and bustle. I thought it was very peculiar that I was receiving a postcard because no one, nobody sends postcards anymore nowadays, Keach said. I went, okay, this is different. Later, she noticed the postcard was marked October 29, 1920. It had her belting Michigan address, but was written to someone named Roy McQueen in faded cursive writing. The card reads, Dear Cousins, Hope this will find you all well. We are quite well, but Mother has awful lame knees. It is awful cold here. I just finished my history lesson and I'm going to bed pretty soon. My father is shaving and my mother is telling me your address. I will have to close for a night. Hope grandma and grandpa are well. Don't forget to write us. Roy get his pants fixed yet? It was signed Flossie Burgess. Flossie, huh? Flossie Burgess. The card has a Halloween theme that includes a black cat holding a broom, a bat, a goose, and an owl, along with a woman with a cane and a jack-o'-lantern in a witch's hat. There's a George Washington one-cent stamp on the back, and a smudged pokemart says Jamestown, but the state appears to be covered by some kind of sticker. Keach, 30, said she has no idea what delayed the card, which was mailed decades before she was born. A spokesperson for the Postal Service told CNN affiliate WXMI that, in most cases, these incidents do not involve mail that had been lost in our network and later found. What we typically find is that old letters and postcards, 
sometimes purchased at flea markets, antique shops, shops, and even online, are re-entered into our system. The end result is what we do. The end result is what we do best. As long as there is a deliverable address and postage, the Carter letter gets delivered. Which interesting. It doesn't seem very postal servicey to me, but what right. do I? Right. <laughs> Whatever. Come on. The post office is famous for going above and beyond. Yes. Okay. We'll go. We'll we'll go with that. <laughs> Maybe not the Duval, Duval post office. <laughs> Keach posted photos of the postcard on, fa- on a Facebook group in hopes of finding McQueen's or Burgess's relatives, or someone who might have known the families. I have two wonderful ladies that are helping me look into their genealogy, she said. Several people have, old, several people have posted old documents in the comment section that might help solve the mystery. Keach wants to return the card to a family member and says they've got a lead on one possible relative. Which is kind of wild. That's something that old. They could be like, oh, this is supposed to go to, you know, your relative or whatever. But interesting that it, they're like, nah, it wasn't, it wasn't lost. I mean, it was probably just, you know, someone bought it as an antique and, and then they like accidentally mailed it. But we didn't, I mean, we wouldn't lose stuff. No. We never lose Never. Stuff. <laughs> In the meantime, I have a copy of some fucking Game Boy game that I had to order twice because I got the fucking letter, but nothing inside. Thanks, Duval <laughs> oh Post <my> Office. <laughs> I think it was a. I think it was a Zelda game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a Zelda game. I think it was a. Like Age of. One of the Age of Seasons or Age of Oracles or something. I don't know. You don't know. I could say anything, and you'd be like, "Oh, that one's great. That's my favorite." You don't know. So okay. I consistently get uh, stuff misdelivered. Like I get my neighbor's um, mail like a lot, and it's not even like just one neighbor. It's like people all up and down the street. Oh yeah, me too. So do we. Like I'm we'll like, get... dude, are you just not even paying attention at They're all? Just, like just when dumb. you they're just dumb. <laughs> they, don't, they don't care. I don't know what it is about around here because like I always like. I usually get at least one piece of somebody else's mail every time I check the mailbox. And I'm always just like, well, how much of my mail ends up in like other people's mailboxes? Yeah, be careful, be careful what you order. You never know. Right? The last story I have is about, I mean, it's, it's sort of season appropriate. It's season, it's season appropriate. The this spring is, season appropriate? Uh, it's npr.com or .org, npr.org. April Fool's Day might be the world's longest-running joke. No one knows how it began. This is an article that came out of April 1st of this year, year 2022. Ever wonder where April Fool's Day came from? Well, surprise! The joke's on you. No one seems to know its true origins. Historians do have some clues, though. For one thing, we do know that April Fool's Day customs date back to at least Renaissance Europe, but it's likely the tradition originated long before then. Some historians have linked April Fool's Day to the ancient Roman festival of Hilaria. 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 Sounds awesome. Where at the end of March, people would come together to commemorate the resurrection of the god Attis. It was a celebration of renewal in which revelers would dress up in disguises and imitate others. (laughs) (laughs) I would dress up as you. Like, oh, I'm Joanna, you? how are you guys doing? Yeah, I'd dress up as you back, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm Nate. What's up, I got Skirt facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> it is also possible that the medieval celebration of the Feast of Fools, where a mock bishop or pope was elected and church customs were parodied, could have inspired the day. Ah, that All sounds about like a fun time. making fun of the church, honestly. <laughs> Some gullible fish might also explain the tradition. Other historians believe April Fool's Day has its origins in the 16th century when France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. The Julian calendar began in March with the spring equinox and was celebrated until April 1st. By switching to the Gregorian calendar, the new year would now begin on January 1st. News traveled slowly back then, and not everyone knew about or was willing to change when to celebrate the new year. Those who continued continued to celebrate in the spring were often ridiculed and made the butt of jokes. Oh. Yeah. Look at this guy. He thinks fucking April 1st is the new year. Look at that jerk off. (laughs) 
Some pranks included having a paper fish placed on a person's back as they were called Poison d'Avril, or April Fish. One of the first known references to this term, Poison d'Avril, is found in 1508, is found in a 1508 poem written by Eloy Damerval. The phrase itself doesn't necessarily mean there was a holiday on April 1st, but the idea of the April fish is that fish were more plentiful in the spring and thus easier to catch. In other words, an April fish was more gullible than fish caught in other seasons. Ah. In 1561, an early clear-cut reference, reference to April Fool's Day appears in a Flemish poem written by Edward de Dean. French. French, right? <laughs> in the poem, a nobleman sends his servant out to a series of wild, on a series of wild errands. The servant eventually realizes the, these are fool's errands because the date is April 1st. Scholars say one of the first mentions of an April Fool's Day in England appears in John Aubrey's 1686 book, Remains of Gentilism and Judaism, which reads in part, We observe it on the 1st of April, and so it is kept in Germany everywhere. Even in 1760, there was speculation as to the origins of the holiday, with a line in Poor Robin's Almanac reading, The 1st of April, some do say, is set apart for All Fool's Day, but why the people call it so, nor I, nor they themselves do know. Oh. The media has been, on, has been in on the joke for years. The tradition has evolved over the years with modern forms of media upping the ante on pranks and tricks. Newspapers, radio, TV stations, and websites have all part participated in the tradition, making April 1st a day where everyone truly needs to be on their guard. On April 1st, 1905, for example, a German newspaper wrote that thieves had dug a tunnel under the U.S. Treasury and stolen $268 million in silver and gold. One of, the most, one of the more famous pranks occurred in 1957 when the, BP, when the BBC aired a segment showing Swiss harvesters picking spaghetti off trees and bushes, claiming the region had an exceptionally heavy spaghetti crop that year. <laughs> NPR has gotten in on the fun, too. In 1992, the show Talk of the Nation ran a hoax story in which Richard Nixon, played by Rich Little, announced he was running for president again with the slogan, I didn't do anything wrong, and I won't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> On April 1st, 2014, the N N NPR published an article titled, why, um, why Doesn't America Read Anymore? The post sparked heated debate on social media, particularly among those who neglected to actually click on the link. Those who did were greeted with a challenge. Congratulations, genuine readers, and happy April Fool's Day. We sometimes <laughs> get the sense that some people are commenting on NPR stories that they haven't actually read. If you are reading this, please like this post and do not comment on it. Then let's see what the people have to say about this story. That, you know, is not at all surprising that people were having very heated debates without actually having read oh, yeah. the article. And I actually, I, I think I do remember that. That's hilarious. People fucking do that all the time. And it's oh, just like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, if you're going to, you know, open up your big fat mouth, you know. At least fucking read the shit. Yeah, at least fucking read the shit before you go, you know, off on your next uh, keyboard. Rant. battle. Yeah, rant, whatever. Although we may never know its true origins, April 1st has come to represent a day of joy and comedy as we move out of, move out of the darkness of winter and into the spring. No matter how you choose to celebrate the day, it's best to be wary of what you read and what you hear on April Fool's Day, except for this story, of course. Of course. I remember on April Fool's Day, like the first one that I really remember that something actually got me. I think I was, I know I was 12, maybe, ish. And do you remember that show, Almost Live? Yes, I loved Almost Live. So for those of you who didn't grow up in Washington State, uh, I think more specifically the Seattle area of Washington State, there was a group of comedians from around here that did this like mock news kind of, it was more of like a sketch comedy show. Yeah, it was a sketch comedy show and it was always on before Saturday Night Live. Yes, and it was, uh, it was, it was really funny, but I do remember one year watching it and they told how the space needle had been blown down or had collapsed or something and oh, no. it totally got me i was like holy shit mom i didn't actually say holy shit mom because i was like 12 but right. i said like hey mom and she was like no that's a joke it's april fool's day you know you're an idiot she didn't yeah. say I'm an idiot, she <laughs> so that's that's the, what i remember about any like the most about april fool's day is that particular 
fool. Yeah. Prank, well, I, guess. I am not a huge fan of pranks just because I'm super gullible. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, like yeah. you heard that they took gullible out of the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know that one. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I've never been a, a huge um, fan of practical jokes or pranks because I'm always like the last one to like get it. Yeah, yeah. So to speak. But so I'm, I'm always very wary on April 1st. Like today is April 1st. Do not believe anything anyone tells you or anything you read on the Internet. Because it's all bullshit. Yeah, Every last bit of it is bullshit. <laughs> all right, well, that is all we have for you guys today. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find us at any of the social media sites we may be at, at either Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. You can check out the podcast syndicate we're a part of, ageofradio.org. Our little section of that is ageofradio.org slash Stranger Than, where you can stream our podcasts. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, you can do so at patreon.com slash strangerthanpodcast, where for $1, you can simply support us. For $2, you can get the monthly episodes ad-free. And for $5, you get the a bonus true crime episode where Joanna tells us terrible stories about terrible people. That is true. That is very true. I'm not fooling anyone about that. Nope. These people are terrible. It's true. And if you have stories of your own, whether they be supernatural or paranormal or a steady combination of the two, then you can send them to strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to share your stories on the podcast. We do not have to say your name if you do want, if you don't want to, or we can say your name, or you can assume a name. It all is the same to us. We would also, if you have any suggestions on anything that you want us to do an episode on, uh, please feel free to submit that to the same email, email address. That's right. We welcome suggestions. And with that, we'll talk to you next time. And stay strange. <laughs> <laughs>